So you open Google Chrome on your phone, you're hunting for a super rare first edition vinyl of a band you're obsessed with when you're supposed to be working. But the site you tapped on seems pretty shady. And Daryl from IT just jumped up from his desk. Oh no, he's coming your way. It's a good thing built-in malware protection keeps you safe and sound. Not from Daryl though, sorry. There's no place like Chrome. Download Google Chrome on your phone. Hello, welcome to Let's Talk About It with Taylor Nolan. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are going to be covering a topic that we have not yet covered at all. Um, Today we're going to be discussing veterans. Um, A very special guest on today who's going to share a lot of his personal story. Um, He's a 21-year Navy veteran. Uh, He's also super active in the mental health area uh, with veterans. Um, He's the founder of Boulder Crest, which is the nation's first privately funded uh, mental health center for veterans. Um, He's also written a book called Struggle Well, Thriving in the Aftermath of Trauma. Um, And I'm really excited to talk with him and, uh, you know, learn a little bit more about how he's not only dealt with his own um, PTSD, uh, but then also how he's helping other people uh, deal with that when they come back home. Um, Really, really excited for this guest. So you guys, please welcome Ken to the show. Yeah. So hi, Ken. Welcome to the show. Hey, Taylor. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, I'm really excited to learn more about your story and um, for you to share a lot of your knowledge and the work that you're doing um, in this field. Uh, could you give us like kind of starting off a little bit more of a background and what your um, what your experience has been? I know you're a 21 year Navy veteran, which is like amazing. Thank you so much, um, you know, for all that you've done and. Um, really want to give you more of the opportunity to kind of share uh, what your experience has been with that. Yeah, sure. So I, um, I am a native of Virginia. I was born in Pittsburgh uh, from a family that was from Chicago and Pittsburgh. And my dad got out of the army and moved to DC to be a cop back in the ni- 1960s. And we moved down shortly after my mom and I. Um, and I had a pretty good childhood up till about the time I was seven. My mom uh, died of cancer at a very young age of 29. Mm. And, uh, you know, I had this kind of good childhood overall. My dad remarried a couple of years later. We had a kind of a Brady Bunch family. Mm-hmm. Um, my stepmom had a couple of children and graduated high school. I was a hockey player. I spent most of my summers in Pittsburgh with my grandparents and went to hockey camp and became a pretty good hockey player. And I thought I was good enough to play in the big leagues and left high school to try that. And it didn't work out, but I stayed for a year down in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, working in an ice skating rink and working with his team and playing a little bit of hockey down there. And, and, uh, I just knew there was something better in my life. And I grew up here in the DC area Mm-hmm. It had a very military influence in my life. Uh, most of the people in my neighborhood were military. My scout masters as a kid, my hockey coaches um, during the Vietnam War. So a lot of great mentorship as a kid from the military. And I just thought maybe that's something I should try. And, and I did. I went down and enlisted in the Navy in 1981 and, and uh, retired 21 years later in 2002 and spent the majority of my career as a bomb disposal specialist. Um, Hmm. The second half of my career supporting special operations units, Army Special Forces units, Navy SEAL teams, those types of uh, units doing bomb disposal work. And uh, hmm. and I retired from the Navy and 
2002, started the small consulting company that ended up doing very well and was able to sell the company. And financially, it changed our family's lives and, and put us in a position where we can, you know, kind of do the work we're doing today and, mm-hmm. and kind of spend our retirement years doing this kind of philanthropic work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, a, a lot of your um, experience in the military has kind of um, influenced the philanthropic work that you're doing now. That's right. Yeah. So we started um, early in the war in 2004. We had the first severely wounded bomb disposal specialist in Iraq, a young man who lost both legs. And my wife and I, a couple of years later, started a foundation. We funded most of the work initially out of our own money and our company money. And we started a foundation called the EOD Warrior Foundation. And EOD stands for Explosive Ordnance Disposal, what the military refers to as bomb disposal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still oversee that foundation, and we take care of the bomb disposal families and the guys who have been severely injured and guys who have been killed in action and, and the families that they've left behind. We take care of their families as well. Yeah. And that's kind of what started me into the work I'm in now is working with these very physically wounded um, troops that were coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, bomb disposal, That I, I can't even imagine what that... Um, what that process is like, not only physically, you know, the education behind it, uh, the knowledge that you need, um, but then kind of emotionally what what you're going through as you do that kind of work. Yeah, it's a lot of people, you know, think you're crazy if you do the job. But the one thing I say about the military is that the military, no matter what job you do in the military, the military does a great job of training us. And, um, and the bomb disposal is no exception. Uh, for the Navy, uh, bomb disposal, the, the training's over a year long. We start out at, at dive school where most of the attrition occurs because it's a very physical school, mentally challenging as well. There's lots of physics when it comes to diving. And we don't just dive scuba equipment. We dive deep sea gear and we dive a, a rebreather that's computer controlled and it takes a lot of you know intelligence to dive these things as well mm-hmm. and then we go to bomb disposal school and that's nine months uh the the army air force and marines go is a six-month course and then we stay off for three months longer to do the underwater part of of military ordnance torpedoes and mines and those types of things so it's a it's pretty intense they say academically in the u.s navy it's the second hardest school behind nuclear power. So mm-hmm. it's um, it's an academically challenge, challenging course and very physically challenging, especially in the dive school phases. Yeah, that's it sounds like it. I mean, I, I imagine that there's a lot of pressure around that, you know, I mean, you're dealing with, uh, you know, literal weapons of like destruction um, and that that's a lot of responsibility on you. It is. And it's, I always kind of, you know, related to the firefighter, you know, this guy that you know, climb a ladder into a burning house to save somebody. And, you know, the bomb disposal community is pretty simple. Our, our mission is not simple, but, but complex, but the mission is kind of simple. The mission statement, and that is to protect personnel and property. And that's what we do is try to save others' lives by, you know, the remnants of war, unexploded ordnance. And, and most mostly in this last, you know, two wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, it's been what they call improvised explosive devices. The things that the terrorists are making, the, the, the bombs, are kind of like you would see on TV. But, mm-hmm. um, but, but this has been really the first major war where, where we've seen so many of these terrorist devices used. Hmm. And I'm curious what the, um, you know, as you're going through these programs and as you're getting, uh, you know, your training to, to do this um, job, what, 
what kind of resources are available throughout that process, like in, in regards to mental health? So it's, that's, that's a great question. I, I think when I went through training, there were none. Uh, there, there were, um, as you get into some of the special operations units, there are some psychological interviews that are done to do some background, you know, mm-hmm. best, best checks on you and make sure you're, you're healthy to enter these, you know, s- classified units. But, but when I went through, there was none. And it was interesting because they've done recently, they did a, a study on bomb disposal personnel to see how the heart rates were uh, affected during a mission when they were actually disarming a bomb. And they found the opposite of what they, their hypothesis was, which was that the heart rates were actually coming down, hmm. which kind of goes back to my philosophy that the military training is pretty good because it's, it's this whole concept of being calm under pressure. And mm-hmm. that's that's a, a very unique individual, and that's why the community is so small. We don't we we probably in the active duty force today. It's probably about five thousand people only. Mm, wow, I would not have thought that. Huh? Okay. Um, well, it's that time in the show now where I want to take a little bit of a break to share some of my favorite uh, companies and brands that I work with that help uh, sponsor the podcast and just to say thank you and, and share about some of their uh, missions with you guys, with you uh, Let's Talk About It listeners. Um, so I'm super excited to share with you guys uh, about this company. It was founded by Kate Hudson. Uh, you guys may have heard of it. It's called Fabletics. It's a fashion-focused activewear brand with a mission to empower women Uh, by making a healthy, active lifestyle uh, accessible to everyone because of its exceptional price point. You guys know leggings and active wear can be so expensive for women. And if you know me, you know I'm a thrifter. I like to get a good deal on things. And Fabletics is offering you guys an incredible deal that you don't want to miss. You guys can get two leggings for only $24, which is actually like a $99 value uh, when you sign up for VIP. So just go to fabletics.com slash Taylor to take advantage of this deal now. That's fabletics.com slash Taylor to get two leggings for only $24. Also, you get free shipping on orders for over $49. There's also international shipping available, and there's absolutely no commitment when you purchase your first order. So again, you guys can go to fabletics.com slash Taylor and make sure to check out Fabletics. Um, and then, I, I mean, it, it's such a such a different world, just the, the military uh, in and of itself. And, um, you know, we always hear about... Um, you know, these really like traumatic experiences and how people come back and how they can be changed by that. Um, and for you, you know, when you came back, uh, you decided to open up some of these uh, retreat centers and start doing this uh, philanthropic work. But for you, what was, you know, how did you deal with uh, any of the, the trauma that you experienced? Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I, there's, there's a quote in our garden here. So, um, at Boulder Crest Retreat and the retreats you're talking about. We have two of these retreat centers, one in Arizona, just south of Tucson, one here in Virginia where I'm at today. And in our our garden here in Virginia, we have this uh, gazebo, and inside of it's a quote from Thucydides, who was an Athenian war general during the Peloponnesian War in 460 B.C. And his quote, uh, uh, it says that we must remember that one man is the same as much the same as another, and he is best who has served in the severest of schools. So what we believe strongly is what Thucydides was talking about was warriors that went to combat, the severest of school being combat, and that warriors would go to combat and do what they had to do, and then they would come home and take care of their villages, which is why they felt that that man was much better than the other, the, the one standing next to him. 
And that quote um, resonates with everybody that comes through here because what we believe is that, yes, the combat zone does change us. Yes, you see the worst that humanity has to offer, but it doesn't necessarily make you broken. It doesn't necessarily put you in a situation where you can't, you know, get over it. And what we've come to know in the work we do with, with, with our PTSD program specifically is uh, is that childhood trauma affects a lot of, of this, you know, ability to, to, to stay strong after combat. And, hmm. uh, and it's just basically the more trauma you're carrying around with you, the harder it is to, to, to get over it. And that's what we do here at our retreat centers is give people this opportunity kind of, as we would say, dump their rucksack, get all this trauma out and repack what, what is necessary to move forward in life. So, mm-hmm. yes, the combat zone does change us, but I don't think it changes us for the worse. I think it changes us for the better. And one of the problems is that the, the military, and, and, and not just the military, but the mental health community in our country is broken. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just met with a, a doctor uh, up at Harvard, uh, uh, Vikram Patel. He's Indian, trained at Harvard. And in the country of India, they only have 3,000 mental health professionals. And he gave a great TED Talk on why peer-based programs are so much better than mental health programs. And in our country, we have 300,000 mental health professionals, actually more than that. Mm-hmm. We need more mental health professionals, whereas Vikram is saying we need less. We need more peers and more quality people on the ground to take care of each other. Mm-hmm. And he had a great quote that I read the other day in one of his papers, and it said, mental health is too important to leave to mental health professionals. So I think the fact that we haven't innovated well in this space is is something that we got to really get focused on. Hmm. Yeah, well, I like, I mean, the the emphasis on the peer support really just kind of helps uh, develop a sense of community in a way. Um, Absolutely. You know, and I think definitely helps reduce some of the shame and, um, you know, loneliness that people then start to experience within their mental health uh, struggles because we feel like we're the only ones dealing with it. And we feel like if we talk about it that, you know, we're going to be even more shamed and embarrassed and um, all all those things. And when you have that peer support and when you have that community established and it's not just this professional, um, you know, I think it it can really change the way that our community um, connects. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and so and so for you, you're kind of saying that um, you know post uh, post experience so that even if there is some trauma that um, you know that, that you're able to kind of work through that, but that oftentimes it's actually whatever trauma you had experienced uh, prior to entering the military. Yeah, so ima- imagine you know from day one of your life, you you, you just start if you imagine every traumatic experience being kind of a rock, right? And then mm-hmm. you start putting these rocks in your rucksack and yeah. you, you grow up in a terrible family. And, you know, we get a lot of people in the military that don't come from the greatest of families mm-hmm. and we love them. We, you know, we, we do a great job in the military of taking, as a Marine Corps would say, taking an ordinary civilian and turning them to a Marine. Mm-hmm. What we don't do well in the military is taking Marines and turning them into great civilians. Mm-hmm. And that's that transition out is where we see the challenges. I mean, I don't know if you know the statistics, but the, the VA says 20.6 veterans a day uh, take their own lives. Yeah. And suicide is a huge problem. And not only in the veteran community, but in our country, it's the only cause of death on the rise. 125 Americans a day take their own lives. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, I know the country seems to be in this kind of funk right now. And it has been for, you know, a couple of years, but it's, 
it, it's, it just it continues to blow my mind. And I just keep thinking that if you have to wait on the mental health community to get you out of this funk, <laughs> we're going to be waiting a long time. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot we can do for each other. And that's what we're trying to focus on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what kind of work you're doing at these treatment centers? Um, yeah. So, yeah, we we built two beautiful facilities, one here in Virginia, one in Arizona, like I mentioned. Uh, although my work in the traumatic uh, space kind of started with bomb disposal personnel, what we realized is that we needed places where we could help a lot more people. And uh, both of these facilities, we opened up to combat veterans, their family members, and also first responders. And uh, we run a variety of programs here. Our flagship program is something called Warrior Path. Path stands for Progressive and Alternative Training for Healing Heroes. And our focus in this program is to take to bring people in, have a, a very intense, almost like an inpatient setting, but a very intense seven-day retreat. And then we follow them for 18 months. And we have this app called My Path which mm-hmm. is full of content on how to live life, how to increase your emotional yeah. intelligence, um, how to increase your um, your wellness as a whole. Yeah, that follow-up. The follow-up yeah. is a really important piece because, um, you know, oftentimes when you just go do inpatient and then you expect that when you leave that, that you know, you're going to have this whole new life, but really you're going back to the same people, places, and things. Um, and so you need to actually really take those tools with you um, and having that, like, app to actually continue that treatment um, in your everyday life is so important. I'm so glad that that's part of your program. I'm glad to hear you say that because it's, we always refer to programs like that as catch and release, right? Mm -hmm. They make you feel better for a week and then you're home and you're back into the normal Mm -hmm. kind of day-to-day crap. And it's, it's hard. It's, it's, so the follow-up has been very important for us. So we're having great results. I mean, I, before we started this program, I traveled around the country. I talked to some of the best psychiatrists and psychologists in the country. And I heard over and over again, that you know, mental health treatment doesn't work. And I remember asking these two doctors in San Francisco, I said, well, if it doesn't work, why do you use it? Why are you doing this treatment? And they said, well, it's the only thing the insurance companies will reimburse us for. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away because, you know, I come from this profession as a bomb disposal guy where you just, you can't keep making mistakes. You know, you don't make the same mistake twice in our field. Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of led me to this. So I just want to take a quick break here for a second to share with uh, you listeners one of my favorite sponsors of the pod, uh, which is Burst Sonic Toothbrush. Um, and they are best known for the charcoal-infused super soft bristles. Um, and you guys know dental hygiene is very important to me. It's something we should talk about more often because when my teeth aren't clean, I don't feel clean. Um, and this toothbrush actually has charcoal uh, bristles, which removes surface stains. And it's actually an antimicrobial, which helps keep the bristles clean because like that, nothing is worse than having like a dirty toothbrush. Just, um, and so they actually have a limited rose gold edition brush that comes with a beautiful matching travel case. Um, it's priced at $99.99 and it actually has an automatic membership to the Burst subscription replacement program. So um, every three months you get a new brush head um, for just $7 each. Uh, But you guys, my wonderful listeners, uh, can go to burstoralcare.com to get your limited rose gold Burst Sonic toothbrush. And you can use my promo code Taylor at checkout which gets you a wonderful 10% off of your order. Again, that's burstoralcare.com with code TAYLOR for 10% off. You guys do not want to miss out on this special offer. I'm obsessed with the travel case and like it's this 
beautiful rose gold. It's so freaking pretty. Um, again, you can go to burstoralcare.com today and don't forget to enter my code Taylor for 10% off the new rose gold toothbrush. And love, love, love Burst. So thank you guys so much for being a wonderful sponsor of the pod. Um, but we can get back to the show now. I met this doctor in North Carolina by the name of Tedeschi, Rich Tedeschi. And he had coined this term post-traumatic growth 35 years earlier. And I was so intrigued by the term that I went and met, met with them. And he had studied families, mostly bereaved families who had lost children to cancer, mm. to find out that these families had gone on to do some remarkable things in the aftermath of their child's death. And not that any of those parents wouldn't have wanted their child back, and many would give their own lives to have their child back. Yeah. But they can't. And, and so what they do is they find this way to, to, to help others. And as one example I give you is um, not so much on the, on the cancer side, but uh, on the bereaved family side, there's a group of parents from the Newtown, Connecticut school shooting, elementary school shooting, mm-hmm. who now have created this task force. And every time there's a school shooting in our country, they get on a plane and they go help others. Yeah. And they help others by sitting and listening. And that's really what we're trying to do. So our programs here are focused on Tedeschi's post-traumatic growth philosophy and teaching people that regardless of the struggle, you can still live a meaningful and productive life kind mm-hmm. of in the aftermath of trauma. Yeah. I had a, uh, a guest on a while back um, and he actually lost his daughter to suicide. Um, I believe she was about 13, 14. Uh, she's a young teenager and um, he's, you know, another great example of that, of, you know, where you can thrive through your grief where you can thrive, you know, post this very traumatic experience. Um, and a lot of that work has to do with, um, connecting with others and sharing your story. Um, and so I think that's really beautiful that you're able to incorporate, uh, that kind of treatment, the post-traumatic growth into your programs. Um, and you've been seeing really amazing success with that. Um, I'm curious for you, like, what you, you know, if that's something that you've applied to yourself personally, um, and what kind of a little bit more hands-on work you've, you've seen it, uh, do with, with the people in your treatment centers. So, you know, 1989, I was in the Navy and I broke my back in a parachute jump. The initial report was that I would possibly never walk again. Then they went on to say, you know, I, I, um, I, I would walk, but I wouldn't be able to serve on active duty and kind of went through a whole series of stuff. And about three months later, I was, you know, up and moving and walking. And, um, and by nine months later, I, I, I ran the best physical fitness test of my military career. Um, mm. So, you know, and then I've been to combat. I've, I've you know, as I tell everybody, you kind of see the worst that humanity has to offer, you know, on the battlefield. And, um but I, but I feel strong. I feel strong for it. I feel strong mm-hmm. from it, you know, and it's like, and, and, and as Tedeschi says in the, in the, the epitome of post-traumatic growth and where you really start to see these outcomes are when you can turn around and help others through the journey. And that's kind of where I feel I am. But we've mm-hmm. been running the program now for you know nearly five years here in Virginia, a year out in Arizona, our new facility. And, you know, I can tell you hundreds of stories like like me. I mean, and, and better ones than me, guys that have gone on to do some remarkable things. Mm-hmm. Um, to to include some of them starting their own organizations, and starting their own companies, and employing hundreds of people, and just you know, guys. And these are guys that came to us suicidal. You know, mm-hmm. who said this is the last resort if this doesn't work. Uh, 
I'm done. Yeah. And so you do find that, you know, a decent amount of people are actually reaching out for help and wanting to talk about this kind of stuff. I mean, I'm not super familiar with, um, with military, but, you know, I think from, from just kind of a assumed knowledge, you know, based on what we hear, um, that it's not, that things like this aren't really talked about within the community. Um, and especially with the military being predominantly men, um, of, you know, all those stereotypes that come around with masculinity and, um, you know, being a strong, uh, soldier, being a strong person in the military, um, that sharing those feelings, you know, could be, uh, misconstrued as weak or, you know, that you, you can't do your job. Um, and so what's kind of like your take on like the culture around that? Well, I think, you know, you've painted a great picture of what the culture's like. I think the, that's, that's why if we go back to that peer discussion we were talking about, that's why it's so important mm-hmm. that your, that your instructors look like your participants. Mm-hmm. And because if, 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 if you just have this, this, you know, mental health therapist who doesn't necessarily have the strength or the uh, credentials uh, to to stand in front of that individual, then that's that is what the relationship looks like. But once you make that connection, so you know, if you look at our staff, we we do have professional mental health counselors on our staff, but mm-hmm. but the front men of our of our of our programs, front men and women, are combat veterans. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier to get those conversations going. And we do some pretty serious disclosure. One of the phases of post traumatic growth is disclosure, getting this stuff out in the open. And mm-hmm. you know, some of the stories you hear are horrific. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a guy come through here. It was as tough as a man could be. He spent 27 years in the military. He'd been shot at. He'd been shot. He'd, he'd um, you know, I'm sure killed many people on the battlefield. He was a hell of a warrior. And, and, you know, as we got into one of the disclosure sessions, it turned out for three years of his life that he had been sexually molested as a child. Mm. And, uh, and, and, you know, he had never told anybody that. Mm-hmm. He said he, he wanted to tell his parents. He left home when he was 16 years old. He was living in a car for two years until he could join the Navy. So it was a, a crazy life story, but it's it's this is what environments like Boulder Crest uh, allow for people to 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 get this off their chest. But but that's why this peer based stuff is so important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just want to go back, like for a quick second, to talk about um, a guest that I had on the podcast a few episodes ago named Daisy, and she actually started a company herself called Banish. Um, I just want to give a reminder to you guys um, about her products. So she had the Banish kit, uh, which is really, really great for your skin. It comes with the Banisher and then the Banish oil. Um, And it's all like very... Uh, organic ingredients. It's all very natural. The oils don't have any kind of colors or fragrance or dyes or anything that's actually going to like upset your skin. So all the products that you're using to put on your face, your skin will actually absorb the good ingredients and will help heal your skin. Um, I've been using the like vitamin C elixir and it feels amazing. Like I feel like my skin is hydrating and, you know, it's really important to me to use products that um, are, you know, sourced sustainably and are actually like quality quality ingredients. So I was super happy to have her on the episode to talk about her company. Um, And again, like another point to just how amazing of a company this is, um, the products are actually made fresh to order and there's a 30 day money back guarantee policy. So you know that your products are fresh and you know that if you have any kind of issue with them, uh, you guys have 30 days to check them out uh, and you guys can check them out at banish.com. Again, you guys can check out uh, Daisy and her wonderful company, Banish at banish.com. But 
just wanted to give you guys a little reminder about that and we can get back on track with the show. So you shared the the first phase um, and can you kind of go through what some of the other phases are and what this um, what this kind of treatment looks like and and then I'm kind of curious to see how how you know other people can apply that who maybe don't have uh, trauma related to military right yeah and it's and it, again it's it's you know I think it's we wrote a book last year um, called Struggle Well, Thriving mm-hmm. in the Aftermath of Trauma. We, we wrote this book because we keep getting asked, do you think what you're doing for veterans would work for civilians? And we said, absolutely. So mm-hmm. we put that down in writing. But in the world of post-traumatic growth, you kind of have five uh, phases. The first one is education, where we really want to teach individuals what's going on in your body. What is trauma doing to us as, as humans? What does life look like? How do, how do you define success? What, what is it that we need to do to move beyond this and really understand what's, what's going on inside of our bodies? Because at the end of the day, Taylor, as you know, we're the only ones who can really fix ourselves. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you don't understand what's inside of you, it's hard to fix it. Yeah. Um, the second thing is regulation practices. So the cornerstone of our warrior path program is transcendental meditation, but we also do some guided meditations, some Mm. mindfulness-based stuff. But if you can't Mm self-regulate, what ends up happening is you self-medicate. Yeah. And that leads to a horrific life. Um, So Mm. we we teach a lot of different regulation practices, exercise, meditation. Mm. Meditation. And I imagine uh, that that meditation practice being introduced with this kind of population is typically like their first time. In many cases, it is. Exercise mm-hmm. is very well known by military personnel, mm-hmm. but uh, but meditation, um, especially transcendental meditation, is normally the first time. Mm-hmm. So it's um, so regulation is kind of the next uh, kind of the next phase. Um, just drew a complete blank. On the question, oh, we're going through the phases. Yeah. Post-traumatic growth. Sorry. It's okay. um, so it's it's um, it's education, then regulation, and then um, disclosure. Mm-hmm. And disclosure is um, is this whole concept of getting getting things off your chest in a public setting. Yeah. And we do that. One of the one of the strongest disclosure sessions we host is this, is this family. We call it our our kind of our uh, genealogy, our family tree, and we build these family trees, and then we give folks um, a red pen, and we ask them to go around the family tree and anywhere there was trauma in their family, and that trauma is defined by what, what's referred to as ACEs or adverse childhood experiences, and there's eleven of them. Things like neglect, poverty, sexual abuse, physical abuse, mm-hmm. verbal abuse, all those types of things that happen to us in, in life. And we ask people to put red around their family members where that abuse occurred. Hmm. And then we give them a blue crayon or marker and we ask them to, to, you know, put blue around the area where they got some really good gifts. So like in my case, I had a grandfather who was a raging alcoholic. So he'd get, he would get red around him, Mm -hmm. but he'd also get blue around him because the guy, when he wasn't drunk, he was the most amazing guy in the world and he could, he could fix anything. He had a hell of a work ethic. He, I think he gave me some gifts, including my work ethic that, mm-hmm. that, that I got from my grandfather. Um, but I'm also not an alcoholic because of my grandfather, but that yeah. could have gone either way, right? Mm-hmm. So we do this whole disclosure thing, and then we get down to, in the family tree. You get down to the, to, to the individual who's sitting in front of me and, or, or, or our, our instructors, and let's say it's a guy and his wife and their children. And then we give them a green 
marker, and we asked them to draw this green line between their family and their extended family, their, their parents or grandparents, whatever it might be. And as they draw that line, we try to get them to draw it really thick. We'll ask them to draw it two or three times. And we go around the table and literally look them in the eye and just say, now stop this trauma. Because if you don't stop this trauma, your children are going to be sitting here in 10 or 20 years drawing red around you. And is that the man you want to be known for? Mm-hmm. And that, that disclosure session and that statement that I just made is, is normally the biggest turning point in our program. Yeah. And that's where people realize, you know, it's really nothing's wrong with me. It's just what's happened to me. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's our message is there's nothing wrong with you. It's just, it's, it's something that's happened and, and, and you just can't live a life where you continue to stare in the rearview mirror. You've got to move forward. And mm-hmm. uh, so, so that's disclosure. The next thing is a, a new story and, and what we call a positive new story. So once this disclosure's out, then it's a matter of saying, okay, who, who is the person I want to be? And in my case, I'm almost, almost 60 years old. So in my case, it's like, you know, you start to, you start to look at mortality and, and especially in the military, we, we look at mortality and we think, well, imagine, you know, I just went to a funeral of a friend's father the other day and mm. my dad used to say, you know, you, there's only two things in life you leave behind when you die and that's your children and your reputation. And, and I went to this funeral with my friend's father the other day and this guy just, he was loved. I mean, three, 400 community members in this church and a beautiful story about how everybody remembered him. People got up and shared these stories. And I thought, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to teach here is how do you want to be known? And then, and then in this new story, can you put, can you live every day con- congruently where your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions are aligned in a positive way? Can you live congruently so that, um, you're living that story? So when people are standing up at your funeral or they're writing your obituary, whatever it might be, that there's this really good story and you've lived that story, that there's mm-hmm. truth to it. So that's, that's the fourth kind of phase. And then the fifth phase is service, right? You mm-hmm. got through this journey and now can you, can you kind of go back down the mountain and help other people back up it? What, what Tedeschi, you know, the, the, the guy who coined this term post-traumatic growth, what he would call the expert companion, we call here the expert guide, uh, mm-hmm. but this person that can help you through that journey. And those expert guides, in my opinion, are, are better than any mental health professional mm-hmm. that you can get. Mm-hmm. And typically, is that someone who's uh, already kind of been through the treatment, or someone that's like co-currently going through the treatment? So we don't we don't start to get people into a coaching role like that until they've been through six months of the follow up. In our case, okay. but it's you know it's an example. One example could be those Newtown families that I talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. There's lots of great examples. There's no timeline that we put on. In our case, we put a six-month timeline on it just so we can observe people. Because the worst thing that happens, and this is one of the reasons the mental health community fails a lot, is that a lot of people who go into mental health care aren't, aren't well themselves. And if you're not well, you shouldn't be helping others. That's our philosophy. Right? You need to be strong. You need to be well. You need to be you know, aware of what's going on around you and and have you know similar experiences to the person that's sitting across the table from you, mm-hmm. and that that to me is why you know this program works so well. Yeah, I I agree with with parts of that. I think um, you know being being someone that's you know I, I personally don't drink, but have done. Um, you know, work with substance abuse. And there are definitely uh, certain clients where, you know, they don't necessarily know that background for me, but, um, you know, knowing that I have not struggled with addiction, um, 
and some of them just make as an obvious assumption. Um, but you know, for some of, of those clients, it doesn't necessarily matter that I haven't had the same experience as them. Uh, just having someone to like listen and you know help them learn how to help themselves uh, works. And for other people, that's a huge part. For other people, they want to know, like, okay, well, well, what was your story? How can you relate to me? And you know, sometimes it is very important for that person to know that you've had a similar experience and that you can really, really relate, and that you're not, you know, relying on uh, just kind of trying to empathize, but that you really, really naturally do. Um, so I can see where where that point is really important for you guys, um, especially given that like this area of trauma um, is very specific um, and that there's a whole other like culture and um, kind of world around it uh, that is very separate and to feel understood and to feel like you have that support um, would be very, very important in the healing process of all of this. Um, and it sounds like the disclosure phase is really where like a lot of those layers kind of get pulled back and where um, a lot of the emotional work gets done. Um, and I love that it's done in like this group setting. Yeah. And you, uh, I think you said, you said a key word that I want to go back to because this is a key factor to being a, this expert companion, expert guide. And that was a listen. You said, you know, you didn't have the same disease, maybe the same uh, addiction, but you were there to listen. And that's, and that's what so many people don't do. Mm -hmm. And that's why if if you're not a listener, if you can't, if you can't just sit there and be a set of ears, and I always tell people, you know, you want to see a good listener, it's their mouth isn't moving when they're talking, Mm -hmm. but you can surely be an effective coach or an effective counselor just without having the addiction. I mean, it's, I mean, look at the addiction world and 97% mm-hmm. recidivism rate and, 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 uh, drug treatment, drug and alcohol treatment. Yeah. So, you know, probably the 3% is because there's people there who are good, you know, listeners, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's hard. It's, it's, yeah. it's a tough business. Well, and I, and I agree with you that a lot of people do go into the field, um, you know, trying to kind of help themselves um, with their own struggles. Uh, and so they naturally become interested in psychology and and then kind of don't necessarily deal with whatever their um, disease or, or um, addiction or trauma has been in their life and instead uh, try to project that healing out on, onto others. And that's where you can get into really tricky things like some, uh, you know, projection and sessions and like counter-transference and um, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think I try to really encourage people like just because you're struggling with something doesn't mean you can't help other people, but you definitely do want to have some of those skills like you've talked about where you can regulate yourself and you're not, you know, medicating uh, yourself and and unhealthy uh, coping ways to mask something, but that you, you know, can be aware of what's going on inside of yourself um, and can regulate yourself. Because even if we find that we're in a good, healthy position, like life happens, shit happens. And, yeah. you know, you can be knocked down on your feet tomorrow <laughs> and have no clue. And then, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't help people anymore, but maybe you need to take a second, like, to focus on yourself for a minute. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, the whole the, I think the, the mental health community uh, has researched it a lot. The, the term wounded healer, you know, comes to mind as 
is how how do you how do you help others if you're you know if you're wounded like that and mm-hmm. you're not helping yourself so it's it's an interesting dilemma and, and it's and it's prevalent in the field for sure and it's mm-hmm. from the top down it's not just it's not just that it's like a social worker level but it's like psychiatrists psychologists yeah. we've we've seen it at all at all levels there's as many good ones as there are bad ones but but the bad ones give the community a really bad mm-hmm. a really bad name yeah. and we you know the other the other um, interesting thing is we you know in, in our our philosophy in this book struggle well and our philosophy here at Boulder Crest is that everybody no matter who you are in life you're going to live this life of ups and downs or what we refer to as kind of the sine wave of life and that's okay, and, and there's there's kind of two things that keep you in a what we call this livable band. Rather than living this life that looks like a, you know, a roller coaster, um, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the two borders of living in this livable band are we, we we would say your your ability to self regulate again, you know, with this concept that if you don't self regulate, you self medicate, yeah. and then this other this other thought on the other line is to to really have a network of three to five people, great friends and great mentors that you can turn to because as humans, we kind of become the average of the three to five people we spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. So if you're spending time with three to five drunks, you're probably going to be a drunk. Spending time with three to five entrepreneurs, you're probably going to start your own business. I mean, there's those are the kind of things that happen and, and that's where I think we as humans can do a lot better with each other because at the end of the day, that humans thrive on connection. Absolutely. And, and, and connection is so important. And and uh, and I just keep thinking, you know, between social media, all the negativity on the press and social media and the fact that we spend hours and hours on our, on our phones, mm-hmm. um, we've lost that ability to, to, to really sit across the table from each other and be friends. Yeah. Well, and that's where, you know, getting yourself in, into some kind of a environment like one of your retreats where, you know, you're really kind of doing that hands-on work and you're really present in that. Um, I think that's amazing that you guys not only go over like the physical exercise piece, but also the meditation piece and working on that mindfulness because like you said, yeah, with social media and all the news and there's so many things to distract ourselves with um, where, you know, you could be medicating, you could be numbing, you could be distracting, um, all of those things to kind of avoid and try to protect yourself from uh, dealing with those under layers of, of trauma and of hurt. Um, but then when you really actually sit and, and are present with it, you have an opportunity to actually move forward with that and do a lot of, you know, what you're working on, which is not just like, you know, getting through it, but like thriving because of it and really having a lot of growth through that. Um, and, I'm, and I'm curious, I want to make sure uh, before we have to wrap up that we kind of discuss how some of these um, principles and techniques that you're using in your treatment centers can be used for people um, that are like struggling with just kind of everyday mental health stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing I always tell people is we, we our, our model here is, is what we call our wellness triangle. And our wellness triangle is made up of four things, not just three for the, for the points of the triangle, mm-hmm. um, but the fourth being the center of the triangle, and that's our spirituality. So if I start at the top of a triangle, or if you draw a triangle on a piece of paper and draw a circle inside of it that touches all three sides, at the top of the triangle is our mind. Uh, at the bottom left of the triangle is our, is our body. And at the bottom right of the triangle is our finances. And in the center is our spirituality or our soul. Hmm. And, um, 
and 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 I always tell people think about it maybe simply as on a scale of one to five, one being the lowest, five being the highest. How is your mind? You know, can you concentrate? Can you do things? Um, can you um, or, or maybe you're 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 a one if you're having a really hard time concentrating on anything, but maybe you're a five if you're you're sharp, you're reading, you know, you're doing all these things to kind of get your mind engaged, you're meditating, you're, 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 you're at peace with yourself, you know, that you mm-hmm. may be a five. And somewhere in the middle of that spectrum, you're two, three, four. And on your body, it's the same way. You're a one when, you know, you're fat, you can't walk up the stairs without getting out of breath, you're, you're eating too much, you know, your nutrition is bad, your, your fitness is bad, whatever that might be. And on five, you know, you're somebody who's in the gym three or four days a week. And on the weekends, you're doing your 5K runs or your swims or whatever it might be. Um, and that body is very important. And then on the right is your finances, right? Are you working? Are you homeless? Maybe as you're a one, you're having a hard time making ends meet. But a five, you know, you've got some money in the bank. You can save. If your air conditioner in your house broke down today, you'd be able to repair it without taking out a second mortgage. That kind of a, mm-hmm. a scale. And in the second... Right. And, and if we think about that outside of the triangle for a minute, that's our ego. Yeah. Right. Our, and, and, and even though the triangle is the strongest geometric shape we know, that'll collapse if, if you don't have something in the middle. And what's in the middle is the spirituality. And, and, and we define spirituality simply as your character and your service to others and your relationships to others. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you're, if you're religious, all that kind of may, may resonate with you. And if you're not religious, it should resonate with you as well. But imagine that ball being fully inflated. It'll hold that triangle up for years. And you see this around the world. You look at people who are very spiritual, let's, let's say in Haiti, and the earthquake hits and everything collapsed around them. And, and it's like they're just just—they're still going through life and they're thriving because they've got this ball. It's like I describe it like a ball in the gym, one of these balance balls where you could sit there virtually all day until mm-hmm. you fell asleep on this ball. Yeah. But if somebody came and popped that ball, you'd, it'd fall and collapse and so would your triangle at some point. So, you know, how is, how is, you know, on a scale of one to five, how is that spirituality? Do you have any friends or, you know, maybe you're a one if you have none, if you have five, if you've got this great network and you, you kind of seem to be thriving through life and, and you're living a congruent life. Again, you know, mm-hmm. thoughts, feelings, and actions being aligned. Yeah. And that wellness triangle really, you know, what we do is once we get through it, that wellness triangle becomes our new story because we want to set goals around all four areas of that wellness model and then try to work on those goals every single day of our life. Hmm. I like that a lot. That's really good. Um, and, and I like having, you know, it's very, it's very specific. It's very um, like goal oriented and something you can check in with every day. Um, and I think that's definitely something that people, you know, whether they've experienced like significant trauma or are just kind of going through struggling feeling like they're not in a good place in their lives, like they're not, um, you know, living in a way where they feel like their life is congruent with how they're feeling. Um, that it can be like a good way to, to kind of check in with yourself a little bit, that wellness triangle. Yeah, no, it's a great way. And I think the other thing is set goals around there. So if you're a one, let's say in your body and you're working to become a five or a four or three, whatever it might be, um, you know, you've got these goals set that every day I'm going to go to the gym and maybe for the first 10 months, all I'm going to do is walk for 20 minutes on a treadmill. But if you've got these goals, every day you achieve something, it's a good win. And those short-term goals and those mm-hmm. wins really increase your mental toughness. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's what allows you to get through this trauma. Because even though we may have had a crappy childhood, let's say, 
you know, we can't do anything about it to change it. What we can do is make this choice today to start this new life and live a better life. And that's why that new story is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, um, it's funny when you really like zoom out, you know, and really look at all of it. Uh, like you said, it does, it, it all comes down to, you know, having this feeling of connection and especially as a child, having that safe, that, that having that safety, having that connection, feeling that support and encouragement, um, is, is so, so, so important. And just seeing how, you know, looking back at that, how that can impact so many other things in your life and how things can just kind of build up when we're just kind of going through life and we're not really being, um, conscious of it or being aware of it. Um, all the, all the wild places that we can end up. And thankfully there are like people like you, you know, who are um, really invested in actually doing this kind of work and providing these services for people so that they don't have to continue to, you know, suffer with the trauma or with their anxiety or, um, you know, with whatever kind of depression that they're struggling with because of these uh, really traumatic events. Um, And I think it's super, super amazing work that you're doing. Um, I can only imagine that it's served as like, a daily reminder for you to like stay on top of, you know, your treatment and that like you're probably learning so much from being involved in this kind of work, um, you know, that it's not only work where you're serving others, but where, you know, serving others is in turn serving yourself as well um, in a very positive, um, growing way. Yeah, it definitely makes, uh, it makes for a very rewarding life. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, you know, sharing parts of your personal story and sharing a lot of the work that you're doing and um, educating a little bit more on this topic. Um, I feel like I've learned so much. There was a lot that I'm not fully aware of within that community and even with um, with this kind of practice and your um, programs. And I think it's all super, super wonderful. And I'm so happy that we were able to get connected and to share some of this work. Well, thanks for having me on, and thanks for doing your podcast. We love it, and um, and you know, you're th- these are the things that are going to change the world, make it a better place. So, thanks for what you're doing too. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Um, I will leave uh, episode notes descriptions uh, where people can check out um, the book and check out the treatment centers, um, and you know, kind of learn a little bit more about what you're doing and um, get in contact if they if they would like to. Great. Thanks, Taylor, for everything you're doing. And thanks for having me on today. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to this episode with Ken. Um, Super great guy. Like I can't even fathom um, all the experiences and um, the people that he's got to work with and see grow. Um, You guys can definitely check out um, his book and some of his treatment centers. I will leave links to that in our episode notes. Um, And feel free to reach out with other topic suggestions of things that you guys want to see covered on the podcast. You can email us at ask.let's talk about it at gmail.com and please keep on leaving itunes reviews and let us know what you're liking about the show um and really really appreciate your guys support and i hope you guys have taken away a lot from this uh from this guest as i definitely have um so thank you guys again and i'll talk to you next time this podcast is brought to you by wave podcast network Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Babes and Babies, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It. 
When you download the Kroger app, you have easy access to savings every day. Shop weekly sales and get personalized coupons to get the most value out of every trip, every time, whether you shop in-store or online. Download the Kroger app now to save big. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Must have a digital account to redeem offers. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 